Thank you for tuning into White Centipede Noise Podcast. Please hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. This podcast is made possible by viewer and listener support. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise. White Centipede Noise is a label and mail order based in Germany, releasing top quality noise on tape, CD, and vinyl. White Centipede Noise is also the premier EU-based distributor of international noise. Visit whitecentipedenoise.com to see available label releases and weekly distro updates. Hello and welcome to White Centipede Noise Podcast. My name is Oscar Brummel. Today joining me is a legend and veteran in extreme music. No. He is known as an extreme, extremely fast drummer before his days as a harsh noise machine. Please welcome John Engman of Custodian. Hi, guys. John? Hey, Oscar. How you doing? Good. Good. Happy to be here. Happy to talk to you again. Yeah. Thank you so much. So just as a backstory to everyone listening, um, about a year and a half ago, I had the idea to start a white centipede noise zine. And I wanted to do written interviews transcribed from audio interviews. So I set up a bunch of interviews with people on FaceTime. So we would have an interview and talk, and then I was going to like transcribe it in order to cut down on um, the back and forth of email interviews and kind of get a more natural um, flow. Uh, John was my first guest because he's a longtime friend. He was one of the first artists I released on White Centipede Noise. We used to hang out and see each other a lot um, You know, when I got into noise and started the label. So he was obviously my first choice. Um, we connected after s- several years of not having contact with each other and had a really, really awesome interview on FaceTime. It ran like three hours. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was long. It was long. I mean, we, we, we chopped it up about like a lot of stuff, but it was a really long, great interview about, you know, hopefully, hopefully stuff we're going to be able to recreate and re-examine. Um, but so when I finished the interview, it's so my first interview. I looked at my phone a couple days later. I went to go play it back. Oh fuck. I got a great interview Went and played it back. And I had not recorded any of the audio. I had to sing completely wrong. I had the microphone like not turned on. It wasn't the default and I hadn't tested it out beforehand. So I lost the entire interview and yeah, I told a friend about it and like he, he described it as like, he said, that's a special kind of hell. And it, it really, it really was this feeling of just like biffing something so hard and having the video in front of me where his mouth is moving and just knowing that the information is doesn't exist anymore. So um, when I started the podcast, John was obviously one of the first people I wanted to um, interview for this. Um, took us a little while to get scheduled, but um, but here we are. So 
I'm really happy to have you here, John. I'm going to try to, you know, remember some of the things we talked about. You gave me some awesome uh, stories and information that was unexpected to me when we first talked. So hopefully we can uh, dig that up again. But so. Um, well, I, I, I talk a lot, so I'm sure I'll yeah, cover great. the same ground. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And I and I stammer a lot and I stutter a lot. So it's good when I have people that know how to take over a little bit and uh, extrapolate what I'm trying to get at from, from my, from my question. So as I mentioned, you are a veteran in extreme music and I, and you are a legend. You have been playing drums in a lot of brutal death metal bands going back. I'm not so f- sure how far, but since the early two thousands, late nineties, um, you're known as like one of the fastest drummers ever like like really when i when i go on youtube and find videos of you or like find stuff on forums people are like you know waxing poetic about your drumming you know people from all over the world um you played in brodick brodick i'm really kind of brought it you know people people say it different but you know you know like jamie the bass player he'll say brodickin mm-hmm. but i'm kind of like well brodequin uh-huh. but you know whatever okay whatever, you know, it's, it's, we know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, um, Brada Quinn was like the, the, one of the main like bands that you were in for a long time. You were in a lot of bands. So can you, first of all, give us a little bit of background to your like history as a death metal drummer? Um, well, I kind of actually started more in the, uh, I mean, I started playing drums early. I was like 12 or I think I got my first drum set when I was 13. Um, but I'd been kind of already playing before that, not obviously on drum sets. I mean, just at school for, yeah. you know, cause I was, I was the band geek, mm-hmm. you know, I was in all the, you know, symphonic band and orchestra and marching band and all that crap. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'd played in a variety of bands, you know, my first band was a, was a death metal band. Um, but, you know, I got really heavy into black metal and actually the first, you know, the, the first band that I actually like did anything with in terms of like, you know, recording stuff and going out of state playing was a band that was uh, at the time called Dead by Morning. But then we changed the name to the Cold Beyond and I did that for a few years you know, played Milwaukee Metal Fest, played New Jersey Metal Fest. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know, 17 or something. Cool. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I started Fetopsy in, um, or Photopsy, again, depending on how you want to say it. Um, and I think I started that in, like, end of 99, 2000. I mean, there was all sorts of little projects yeah. sparsed in between, you know, age 14 and, you know, 20, mm-hmm. um, you know, little one-off things with friends yeah. and whatever. But yeah, I mean, kind of like Fetopsy was kind of the band that kind of got me the attention that ended up, you know, that's when I joined Brodekin. But it's really weird because a lot of people say, you know, they know me as a brutal death metal drummer. But, you know, I was like a black metal and like grindcore drummer, you know. And, okay. And the diff- the difference to me being... I never really played a lot of like, like death metal is known for like constant, constant kick drum. Yeah. And I was more like, well, I just want to play constant blast mm-hmm. beats. 
You know, I was a grind and black metal guy, yeah. like, you know, dark, fun- dark funeral, ethereal stuff like that, where it's just like fucking blast mm-hmm. for five yeah. minutes and that's all yeah. you do. Um, so when I joined Brodican, I mean, I had, there was some like slammy, brutal death metal isms of Thetopsy yeah. where I would do like, you know, your kick drum rolls and stuff. But when I agreed to join Brodican, you know, I hit send on the mm-hmm. email to say, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll try out, you know, I want to do this. Um, I was like, well, holy shit, I have to learn how to play death metal kick drums now, you know, because that's just not anything I did. So it's funny when people, you know, it's funny to me anyway, because I don't see myself as a brutal death metal drummer. I see myself as like a grindcore black metal drummer. I mean, I don't play drums anymore, of course, but um, yeah, it's just funny. The fastest death metal drummer is like, I really kind of just, faked my way through death metal but you were um, a fast ass drummer i mean before then i mean you just kind of changed the style yeah. a bit but you were i mean if Quinn reached out to you you must have been fast as fuck at that time too i mean like well you know i met mike at o, um at ohio death fest that's a guitar player i met him i think it was 2001 you know, and I had given him the Fetopsy demo, and then I had a couple of copies of the Cold Beyond, the my black metal band. I had a couple cassette copies, and um, there's a kind of a fun story with that, but I won't go like super into it. Anyway, the, at the time, at the time, everyone in the brutal death metal scene hated black metal. Like there were shirts, Corpse Gristle Records out of Texas, they were selling shirts at that festival that um had the corpse gristle logo and on the back it said no gay black metal and i thought that was funny because when i heard you know if you know anything about brodekin they have the whole like medieval torture kind of aesthetic and a different style of artwork than most brutal death metal bands and actually the a friend of mine jesse who is the singer for fetopsy he was like oh you got to check out this band they they kind of have this like weird black metal vibe even though they're like a guttural death metal band and i was like oh sick you know so i heard it and i was like yeah this is just like low tuned black metal with you know gurgle vocals i was like perfect i totally get into this well then brodekin plays that year replacing another band they weren't even on the bill so i was excited i was like yeah cool brodekin's playing and i had this in the back of my mind yeah they're kind of a you know have a black metal thing going on so sure enough, they get on stage and Mike, the guitar player, has a Mayhem sticker on his guitar. And I'm like, sweet. So after they played, I talked to him and then I, I felt confident, like, oh, here's my black metal demo too. You'll, you'll fucking dig this. And uh, that's kind of what got me the Brodekin thing because I just, you know, it was like, oh, cool, you like black metal too. <laughs> so it's it's funny because black metal was sort of the catalyst of me getting into, you know, the whole Brodekin scenario and then consequentially into the, the the death metal scene and you were pretty like active with them for those years that you were in the band like you did a lot of touring and and recorded a few albums right um actually we only did one one official tour well two no we did canada and um we did the states with the uh, sublime cadaveric decomposition but there was a lot of holes in that tour um, shows that didn't go through. Okay. We had some van problems that, you know, we had to drop off a few shows and then meet back up with the tour. Yeah. Normal. Um, but mostly we did festivals. Okay. And uh, I recorded 
uh, two song EP with them, one full length. And then at the same time we were doing uh, liturgy, which was like Brodican offshoot with the, with Maddie way from disgorge okay. also on vocals. So that was kind of a side project, but that, yeah, that happened in that same period, but really I was only in the band for about two years. Okay. And then after that, I went back to Fee Topsy for a while, but you know, and then that's where, you know, the, the harsh noise thing happened as a direct result of me moving to Tennessee to join Brodican actually. Okay. Tell us about that. That's my question. That's my next question anyway. Oh, okay. Um, well, so I had always been into noise really. Like as soon as I took that step into, uh, you know, relapse records world and black metal <laughs> really, because I mean, honestly, my first exposure to what would be the bridge to noise was, uh, um, you know, Mortise. Mm-hmm. He was the bass player of Emperor. And then he did the, you know, the dungeon synth as they call yeah. it now. Yeah. And um, yeah. And that was my introduction to cold meat industry. And cool. also there was um, one thing I don't, I don't remember if I mentioned this in the, the last, you know, the, the botched interview, we'll call it. Yeah. Um, there was that magazine, the, the guy from sun, Steve, uh, Stephen O'Malley, he mm-hmm. did that descent magazine for many years. Right. And that was all black metal, but you know, they had like smell and quim and taint, Atrax sure. yeah. morgue, brighter death. Now, I'm, I'm sure there's others, you know, other cold meat industry. I think they did like an Arcana mm-hmm. interview, if I remember correctly. But there was all sorts of crossover there. And even in the reviews, there was, you know, power electronics and noise. Cool. And then, you know, also being, you know, into the grindcore death metal stuff, you know, you had your, that was the split of, you know, relapse and release. Mm-hmm records you know that like you know everyone has pulse demon right you know that was that era pulse demon sickness report atrax morgue and also you know i i didn't i know i didn't mention this in the last interview i was thinking a lot about it and another big push for me at the time as far as like me getting real interested in noise was uh through silver and blood from neurosis okay um, and they put out at the same time, they put out that silver blood transmissions, um, tribes of Neurot, uh, CD. And that all kind of was coalescing for me at the time. So it was like this whole, you know, black metal, death metal, grindcore, harsh noise, yeah. dark ambient was all just kind of like yeah. all at the same time, cool. you know, that's awesome. Um, but that's, that was like all like, I want to say that's 95. Okay. So that far back. Yeah. So you've been, so you've been a fan basically since then. Yeah. Um, and you know, when I see videos on YouTube, like there's that music video, I think if you playing with Brada Quinn, you're wearing like a slogan t-shirt, I think. Is that correct? <laughs> you know, you've been like, you've been, yeah, I always, you always, always wearing like harsh noise stuff. Like in those, like when I see old videos of you, it shows you like Masana t-shirts and shit like that. Yeah. Um, well, so the story with that was that was, you know, obviously I was wearing the shirts because I, I liked those bands, you know? Um, but so I was at the time I was working 
for Unmatched Brutality and playing drums for Brodican. And if he was like, you know, I worked through a temp agency as well, you know, it was kind of because I'd have to leave for shows. And yeah. So I'd just be like, oh, well, I need a new job in two weeks. I'll be back. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, so yeah. I just was working through a temp agency. But, you know, Mike and Jamie wanted to start a sub label for Unmatched Brutality. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about a little bit about unmatched brutality real quick before you go on. Cause I think a lot of people probably don't know what that is. Um, so that was the, the record label that the, the Bailey's, the Mike and Jamie from Brodequin, they, they uh, started a record label to basically put out Brodequin records. Mm-hmm. And then they started signing other bands um, and started a distro. And that was kind of the, you know, that's what allowed us to do a lot of things with, with Brodkin because, you know, um, you know, eBay at the time was, they were selling a ton on eBay and, mm-hmm. you know, the early two thousands, that was like heyday for brutal death metal. Yeah. Now everything is, I mean, I'm so out of touch right now with pretty much everything in that scene and mostly every other scene. But, uh, that's when everything was just kind of coming out. It was super exciting. Yeah. And, you know, all the stuff that's now influential yeah. was all coming out at that time. Right. You know, that's kind of that's kind of when all the like Eastern European gore grind was starting to get, you know, your cock and ball torture, reinfection, you know, all that stuff that's now kind of, you know, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever heard that band, uh, Gudalax or Guttalax or whatever they wear the like hazmat shirts and have like porta johns on stage. <laughs> it was like kind of the beginning of that whole like obscene extreme yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. like costume yeah. culture. And yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That was going on. All the brutal death metal was going on. So it was real, really exciting. Cool. This episode of white Centipede noise podcast is brought to you by skeleton dust records located in downtown Dayton, Ohio. Skeleton Dust Records has offered noise, experimental, and other underground music and beyond for the discerning listener since 2017. Stay tuned for new releases from Dayton Noise Artists' Final Machine and Exclusion Zone, plus an essential reissue of Cosmic Noise from Japanese noise pioneer and incapacitance member Fumio Kosakai. So you were you were working for their mail order. You were working for their label. Yeah, yeah. And then you, so when I, when I broke you off, you said they had started a sub-label or something like that? Yeah, they they wanted to start a, a sub label, mm-hmm. um, side label, you know, kind of like a, you know, a different division, you know. And the original plan was a black metal label because obviously okay. Mike and I were, you know. But I had side so contacted a few bands and just had zero response. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the. I know for for certain I, I contacted uh, Dark and Nocturne Slaughter Cult and a couple of other bands, but I that's the only one I really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so there was no response because whatever yeah. you know. Sure. At the time, there was kind of like a mutual hatred yeah. between black metal and death metal bands. Mm-hmm. You know, just stupid scene shit, I guess. But um. But yeah, so being down in Tennessee, I you know I moved down there for for playing with that band, so I didn't have many many friends. You know, I didn't have much to do if Brodequin wasn't doing anything. Sure. So that's when I started buying gear to make harsh noise, and okay. you know, 
harshnoise.com was around. Yeah. So I was, you know, burning CDRs off of that. And, mm. you know, also, you know, that was kind of the, the peak interest yeah. for me at that time. So when I had downtime, which was all the time, yeah, I was experimenting with gear to make noise. Cool. Um, so how that ties into the late, I know I'm kind of like not focused right no, now. No, it's great. That's um, great. That's the how that kind of tied into the the sub label of Brodican is like okay the, we're not getting any response from black metal mm-hmm. bands and um, I, I can't re- recall the year but there was that show in Brooklyn where it was uh, it was grunt mm-hmm. taint slow gun bloody minded yes control death pile yeah that whole fucking crazy show yeah so I went up there you know I drove up there by myself from Tennessee wow. I had like $150, no spare tire. <laughs> you know, I just totally went on a whim. It was super, I think about it now. I'm like, God, that was so stupid. <laughs> but you know, so I get to the show and I was just like, Oh, well, you know, the sub label thing was in the back of my mind. Yeah. And just like, I didn't even really think about it. I just like went up to Jonathan you know, after the death pile set. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what would you think of like a death pile CD? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of how like I got really involved. Yeah. You know, cause he was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. I was like, okay. You, had you known him before at all? Had you been in touch with him at all? No, I never had talked to him. He didn't know who I was. I, you know, GR had just come out, but mm-hmm. I was a fan of his from, you know, Dead World and um, Blunt Force Trauma, yeah. Um, which I still love that CD. Yeah, it's, you know, um, to me, kind of the precursor to like the Wall Madness of mm-hmm. the early, you know, early Wall scene. That yeah. was really a dense record. Yes. Um. So yeah, that's kind of how like, and then that turned into Pain Compliance and you know did some cassettes and did the steel hook prosthesis first cd yeah first official cd yeah um but yeah so it's just just so weird the whole the whole process was so bizarre yeah that it just but that you came to it as a like almost as a business like like <laughs> Like you were, saying, yeah, in a weird way. I'm yeah, not, I don't mean that in a disparaging way, but like you were like working for this label, and it was like, oh, like we want to start a sub label. Then like the one thing didn't come out, didn't work out like as planned. Then you, you approach like as a fan, you approach this this person as a fan, as also as like a, someone who runs like a helps run a label. Yeah. Um. So that birth pain compliance productions, but was that did that really exist as a sub label of um of the Brodequins label or did that was that kind of in your own thing at that point well no it so it was going to be and then i left Brodequin. okay um but you know now i had this like handshake that i was going to stand by mm-hmm. you know because after the you know jonathan agreed to do a death pile release of some sort you know, then I was like, you know, Steelhook Prosthesis was just kind of being, you know, coming out, really. It was like they had like, I don't know, like a three-inch on Gray's label or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I obviously loved it. Mm-hmm. So I contacted them because they were like, Oh, cool. A new, a new act that no one's really touched yet. Yeah. Let's offer them a full length CD because, cool. you know, because I, and I was also thinking um, at the time before it turned into what was, you know, my own label detached from unmatched brutality. That's kind of why I was thinking death pile and steel hook prosthesis, because they kind of have a crossover appeal Right. To a death metal scene, just like yeah. how I got, just how I felt about like Atrax Borg Sickness Report. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is like, like Carcass. Yeah. Kind of, you know, it's all the medical shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to me, that was a, a good kind of crossover because, you know, I had all the Carcass records. Yeah. Disgorge Mexico with all the like, you know, pathological grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. So I was like, oh, this would be a cool crossover because you got the death pile, which is like all violent and, you know, nasty. Yes. And then, you know, the steel hook prosthesis, they have this like medical theme. I was like, oh, this is a good crossover for, you know, metal dudes. Yes. (laughs) That's um, that's death pile final confession for for those who don't uh, who don't know. That's like the, you know, pretty, I think, standard staple like now collection cd of death pile stuff um so yeah, yeah hopefully it is. yeah definitely um yeah i so made I, enough i made enough of them so i, I hope yeah it. i mean that's that's the thing i think they're still quite quite available and you know that was like the time where you made a cd and it was like a cd was built to last a cd was built to be there for like you know a long ass time because you couldn't press like 300 or 200 you had to press like fiber yeah you had to press 500 or a thousand and it made more sense to press a thousand because it was cheaper than 500 yeah exactly yeah so they're still out there for sure um so yeah and also with the so you mentioned the crossover of like uh steel hook prosthesis they're also from the south aren't they like, yeah they're from texas you, okay okay that's right yeah i forgot, I forgot. yeah okay because you were living in tennessee i thought maybe that had something to do with it but but no probably not um Okay, so cool. So that's a pretty unique um, kind of path to starting a label, whereas most people, you know, it starts out with, like, they're doing noise and they want a platform to release their own stuff. You you ran it for a while, but, but I think only two years, right? Two years yeah, ago. it was pretty short-lived. Yeah. You know, I just I, – I tend to be someone that goes – too hard on things and burns out quick you know yeah. i get i and i'm i'm a i'm a dabbler in in many things yeah and i get super into it and then i just like i burn myself out on it that's and there was other reasons of course you know yeah. for not you know wanting to continue the label yeah um you know financially time-wise all that stuff yeah so that that's all contributing factors as anyone can assume i'm sure when talking about a label of course um but yeah it's you know i kind of like try to master stuff within two or three years and i'm just like (laughs) and you do i mean we're gonna get into custodian but um you know i was talking to actually pat yankee recently and um hey, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> it was actually after our interview kind of in the same situation where we we were done and we were we were talking i told him i was interviewing you soon we were he was like, oh cool i told him i say hi and everything um and we were talking about your run as custodian and we're gonna I'm not, i don't want to get too much of that right now because we're gonna need that later but he was like john was like a supernova you know he like appeared on the scene like all, all of a sudden kind of out of nowhere he fucking like 
killed it for a few years, like just dominated the the harsh noise scene in a live setting at least like you know like live shows anyone who saw you was like fuck and it was like you was really buzzing like just on this natural buzz of like your live performances and your crushing sound and then you like kind of like you know you burned out you like you like you like you're like a star that got too hot and like just like like <laughs> was like you disappeared and you're like i'm done with this and that's i think that that's uh that's interesting that you say that because i think that's that's that makes sense um Going back. Well, you know, also, also, I, you know, I, I, custodian was pretty, it was very distilled. Yeah. And I really didn't give myself, I mean, I, I was thinking about it the other day and it's like, in my eyes, I made the same track every time I recorded, <laughs> I was just like trying to make it yeah. better and more how I wanted it to sound. I never tried to diversify. Mm-hmm. I just kept funneling to that point and then when i got there i was kind of like well now what now what do i do sure can't really do anything else if i do anything else it's not going to be yeah yeah yeah, yeah. this episode of white centipede noise podcast is brought to you by fusty cunt piece of garbage label run by a piece of garbage human three new lps available now interracial sex and bacillus the tropics Vindictive zoonosis, wherein your civilization encroaches the realm of two filth-trodden animals. Sarin snow, mighty blood. U.S. power electronics is a meditation on order, tradition, and the extremes of nature. Al's Deterge, untitled. Seven years in the making. Slow cut at 45 RPM. Over 1,000 edits in 30 minutes. An end is never in sight as it keeps devouring itself. Stay tuned next year for the long-awaited David Gilden retrospective box set on CD and limited cassette. Well, we're going to get to custodian in just one minute, but I want to ask you quick, um, how was that, um, how was that show in, in Brooklyn? That, that's like, that's a pretty legendary power electronic show and lineup. Like what, tell me about that. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, because honestly, I think that may have been, well, no, I take that back. The first noise performance I ever saw was um bloody minded i saw them in milwaukee opening up for wump scott and suicide commando or something mm-hmm. i don't remember there was an odd lineup and there was like six people there it was <laughs> you know but that's where i met mark and that's where i got um the blunt force trauma cd okay because i talked to him after and he obviously had his distro cool um but yeah i mean there wasn't a scene in milwaukee and i was you know pretty unaware of what was going on if anything mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean that was like my first like legit you know noise power electronic show and that's when i was you know just finding you know i had just heard control like mm-hmm. two weeks before i went to the wow the show but yeah the show was crazy um like I said, I drove up by myself. I, I was I was gonna go, and then I'm not gonna go, and yeah. then I was gonna go, and then I was not gonna go, and then I ended up going. Cool. Just kind of called my sister on the way there. I was like, oh, just in case I disappear, <laughs> I'm driving up to Brooklyn, and I have like 150 dollars and no spare tire, <laughs> which is a, like details that I can't forget because it was just like I got like halfway through the drive, and then when I realized like oh, I might not have enough gas money to get home, Fuck. like whoops <laughs> but no it was cool it was cool um 
Did you, you know, did you connect it, with anyone? It really sucked. Grunt Grunt played for like I don't know thirty five seconds. Right. Because <laughs> the uh, the cops came and and they're like shut it down, shut it down, yeah. and yeah, okay, yeah, we'll shut it down. And then you know Miko started again, and I guess they probably just like drove around the block to see if anyone was like actually listened. Yeah. And then it got like super shut down, okay. but you know control was amazing. Yeah. Taint was amazing. Yeah. Um, you're probably one of yeah, the I mean, it was, few people who will not. Like, you're probably one of the few people that have actually seen Taint perform live. I mean, he only did a few shows, I think, ever. Yeah, I know, and they were, you know, definitely special events. Yeah, and he had such a small setup, and it was just like he had. Um, Sean from Moribund, what was his pedal in electronics? Um, circuit electronics, right? Yeah. He had one of the, like, noise generator, mm-hmm. one of Sean's noise generators. And it was just like a silver box with one on-off yeah. switch. And I don't know what he had that thing running into, but the set started kind of, you know, with a little bit of, you know, atmosphere. It wasn't just like bludgeoning mm-hmm. right off the bat. It was a build up and then he hit that fucking switch on that generator and it was just like I wish I knew what what pedal he yeah. was running that fucking generator through because that was just, I I remember just like being crushed by that yeah. moment. Like oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> like it was so good. Do you think that seeing that performance was informative to custodian because with custodian you played with like max two pedals at all time. You had your setup on a little, you know, bar stool usually. And you had like Mm -hmm. two pedals and like one source usually. Right. And just this crushing, really diverse dynamic sound that you squeezed out of this minimal amount of gear. Was that, do you think that was like informative or was that something that just appealed to you already? Um, well, I always liked minimal. I mean, my my drum set was always really small, mm-hmm. you know, to the point where I'd get made fun of, <laughs> you know. Like, I'd play a show and be like, nice Muppet kit or whatever. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, well. Watch this. Fine, but watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll change your mind. I can yeah. use this thing. Yeah. Um, not to sound like an arrogant shithead or something. No, but that's but, true. You know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I always liked minimal stuff. I mean, that, that kind of goes even back to like watching old Devo videos. Cause that was like my first favorite band ever. Cool. You know, and they always had such weird as a child and as not a musician, you don't really understand like, okay, the drummer is standing there and he has four rubber pads and a cymbal. <laughs> hearing this drum like what is going on yeah i didn't understand synthesizers i didn't you know so that was always intriguing to me but yeah definitely that the taint set was like wow and then you know seeing videos of like masana too where it's just like the guy's just three pedals and a microphone yeah you know or like even that like hannah tarash video where it's just like i with the microphone in his mouth you know gyrating and yelling yeah like it's like that's really cool yeah. like so yeah the the whole 
the whole minimal setup was always very appealing to me on, on multiple levels, really. And what was your, like, s- standard setup during that time? Um, well, I did a few shows before I kind of, like, figured it out because, you know, you you realize real quick that what you're doing in your bedroom doesn't help or doesn't work mm-hmm. live. You know, if you're using open source microphones or contact mics or, you know, um, but yeah, once I figured out what I, once I figured out like the, uh, a way to recreate the sound that I was doing at home. So I had like a recording setup and then I had my live mm-hmm. setup. Well, no, let me take that back. I had a setup that was kind of like, you know, because I worked with live, I worked with a, a multi-effects unit that I just used for the looping mm-hmm. on it and ability to layer. Mm-hmm. But all my sounds were pre-recorded in a, a loop station pedal, the RC2 boss, the red RC2, the yeah. original. And then, you know, it has like, I don't know, I have one sitting right here, actually. Let me... um, yeah, it has 11 locations. Okay or okay. loops and i think it's got like 15 minute internal recording yeah. capability um so what i would do is you know on let's say the even numbers i would record like really like a minute each per location of like really abrasive like mm-hmm. high end you know feedback metal scrapes mm-hmm. you know like your your real piercing like masana mm-hmm. influenced yeah. shit and then I had, um, on the odd locations, let's say, you know, I did have it stacked. Yeah, yeah. It was alternating low, high, yeah. low, high, low. So I'd have like, you know, and then I have like crunchier wall yeah. type of stuff and real brittle, broken yeah. type of stuff. And then I would kind of just like improv through those settings to give myself a lot yeah. of variety. Um, with just that little pedal and then i would cut loops on the the korg uh px4 or 5 or whatever model um and then i would just layer it i would manipulate the the volumes so i could stack layers and but yeah live capturing um, live layers from those that loop station live live loops i mean yeah and, you know, I was, for example, if I was, you know, going to cut into a new loop, even if I went to the same location, I would just keep the volume down mm-hmm. and let the loop start and play for, you know, 10 or 15 seconds. So I started a new loop yeah. with that same setting, yeah. but it's not something that you had already heard in the set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. You know, so I was able to, like, turn things, you know, um kind of mix things up a bit with just, you know, because I I wanted to do more, you know, live, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, pre-recorded stuff. Or, you know, at the time there was all the hatred for laptops (sighs) and, you know, so it was like, well, I want to do stuff live, but it sounds like shit. Like the microphone's too hot. You know, I just get feedback. I can't get any low end, you know, so I kind of, I make all my, my, stuff that I loaded into the loop station, I'd make all that 
at home with a different setup. Yeah. And dial And then when I and then when I recorded or played live, that's when I used the real truncated um setup with just the loop station and the 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 PX4. Yeah. Well, I remember seeing those first sets. I think I saw some of your first ever sets. Maybe not the first ever, but God, they were so bad. No, they weren't, man. They, I mean, I know maybe they weren't as controlled as you would like, but they, you were using that. I think it was like a lapel mic. Yeah, right? I had the lapel mic in my mouth. Yeah, that's right. Those were fucking yeah. killer. I mean, that's what I. That's what I actually like. That's what comes to mind, like in a big way when I think of some of those, like seeing you live. So I mean, mm-hmm. I thought those sets were amazing, and those they got great response from the room for sure i mean on a loud fpa you can't go wrong you were you killed it too the um well th- thank you um i some of those i just I, I remember the one noise fest it was like the i don't know the second milwaukee noise fest or something and i was just like the most awful i actually like stopped <laughs> and oh yeah keep going and i'm like <laughs> fine i'll try again but it was awful i, I had a few before um before i got into the the um loop station and px4 the the only set that i really because i was using like a shaker and a kill switch for a while like the first handful of shows mm-hmm. and um the only two sets that i remember being like pretty happy with was obviously the heavy focus set was super fun because yeah. it was just like is this a fight or is it a <laughs> Is it a noise set? Okay. It was pretty chaotic. And then the, the I remember the St. Louis Noise Fest being a pretty decent set too. Cool. That, that was the shaker. That's before I had the you know what became known as the like custodian setup. Sure. Cool. Um, Coming soon on White Centipede Noise, Upper Pot, Hot Lava Shampoo CD. Yeah, you mentioned like you like to use the loops. You had it really structured, like lows and highs. Do you think your experience as a drummer or in in like traditional bands kind of 
informed how you approach the sound with custodian i would i would guess yeah i mean i don't i don't think that was like a conscious thing to do um but i always you know i i like loops a lot you know just yeah. in terms of like listening to music too yeah. i like a good repetitive crushing sound be a you know a good riff or a good noise loop or something you know there's just something hypnotic about it yeah but, you know was, i don't i don't know people i don't know many people that don't like loops sure. a good, it's a, a very good pattern yeah it's very intrinsic like it resonates somehow i think with human the human brain yeah um but yeah i'm sure i i know if if anything um, you know, cutting live loops and interlocking stuff. I mean, that definitely, my drumming background definitely helped that. Yeah. I don't know if it, I don't know if I did that because of my, you know, background and, you know, rhythmic performances or whatever, drumming, whatever you want to, you know, define it as. But yeah, I mean, it definitely helped me achieve what I wanted to do when I kind of, latched on to like, okay, this is the direction I'm going. Yeah. And I bet, you know, just having this musical ear and this musical feeling, I think, you know, even subconsciously probably really <clears throat> informed how you arranged your sounds and arranged your, your tracks. And like, you know, you have your lows and your highs and you have like a lot of those, a lot of your recordings, a lot of your albums um, have short tracks. Like they're made up of, you know, several like four or five minute tracks right i mean they're also almost like song song style yeah yeah i mean i i i like listening to one long track mm -hmm. um i used to have a lot more attention span mm -hmm. for that um as i get older i'd i guess it depends on what it is like if it's a real you know, if it's something calm and dark ambient, I can listen to something for 20, 25, 30 yeah. minutes. Um, but, you know, I, I get to a point now where, like, you know, uh, I don't really keep up with with a lot of things, but I do my ears. You know, I'm always on Bandcamp looking at new things mm -hmm. and um, of all, you know, tons of different stuff sure. uh, in terms of genre. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I get to a track and it's like, I see a track that's 15 minutes. I'm like, okay, yeah. you know, and I start listening to it and I like it, Yeah. but then it's like seven minutes in and I'm like, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, I get, I get, I get bored. Um, not, not really bored because I'll, I'll like it, but it's like, I just, my mind wants some other, yeah something else i can relate to that. Um, i think that depends a lot also on like the listening situation like yeah when you're at the computer like and you're checking stuff out like on on the internet like i have much less attention span like i'll put something on and be like this is cool but then like it's really easy to be like well okay i can listen to like this next thing now like instead so i'll i'll, I'll turn it off and kind of switch it over but like if i put on it like a tape maybe just because it's like physically I have to bend down to get to it or something like that. <laughs> like, I, I like long tracks because I'm lazy and I yeah, don't want exactly. to get up and flip it. I'll let it play. I'll let it play until it's over. And then, like, you know, yeah. Yeah. 
no, that makes sense. Well, you know, like I, I'm a obsessive cleaner of my house, you know, like one of my favorite things to do is vacuum. I don't know why I just love it, (laughs) but like, if if I'm like dusty in the house or whatever, you know, I'll put on something and it can play for 45 minutes and I'm yeah. like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's cool. But, you know, I do a lot of my like kind of searching for not searching for new stuff, but cause I'm not really, I mean, I'm still a fan of music, but I'm not like so nuts. Like I used to be with sure. it, like always have to hear something, the new thing from this project or yeah. I'm, you know, I, I'm a window shopper of music now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> So I, I go through a lot of things on Bandcamp, and I, I do a lot of my music listening at work. Okay, cool. Um, because I can wear headphones, and it's, it's awesome. Nice. But I, you know, I, I have a manufacturing job, so it's not like the most mentally stimulating. Sure. So I can kind of, I can kind of uh, relate wanting to hear short, exciting pieces while I'm bored. Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again all day. Yeah. And maybe that's why, maybe that's why when I'm, you know, cause when I'm at home and I put on music, I don't really, I don't, I don't know how to say this without sounding weird, but I'm almost like not listening to music. Yeah. I'm at home and I put on music. I'm putting on music. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At work, I'm listening to music yeah, for sure. because that's, that's what you, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I totally get that. Um, and that's so, an interesting point you just touched upon with your job is that, um, during custodian, you were actually working as a custodian, which, you know, is the root of the name, of course. Um, how did yeah, that, the, the, how did that the, job the name kind the project? Of, what was that? How did that job and that, how did that job inform the project? Like, Oh, um, well, I mean, I was third shift in a grungy parking garage in downtown Milwaukee. I mean, so it was kind of, I don't, I don't know. Weren't you recording a lot like at work or something like that? I think remember you told me that. Yeah. I, I would bring my gear to work. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of downtime. Yeah. You know, if there's no events downtown, you know, then there's nothing really to clean. You just got to do your security walks and the rest of the night is like, you know, whatever, take a nap. Yeah work on noise, yeah. you know, I'd bring my, bring my guitar sometimes, you know, sometimes I'd bring a drum machine. Sometimes I'd bring my, you know, my noise shit, cool. you know, my pedals, whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know really, I know that I got a lot of pictures at the building that I ended up using for artwork mm-hmm. for custodian, like the, the cover of uh, Stefan's tape on new forces. That was a, a detached, you know, announcement speaker in our building, yeah. or the uh, the cover of the the split LP with Mania. Yeah, I took I took that. At, there was like a I don't know if it was blood or shit, but there was this like handprint, perfect oh. handprint on the wall that was kind of smeared oh. down. So that's so then I just centered my shadow at where the yeah. hand was like where my face would be, and that was the cover. So yeah. there, so I I did pull um photos from the building that i used for artwork yeah um but it's cool because it's yeah. like the same kind of experience i guess i mean i'm i assume your job it sounds like your job now is like not as 
nearly as gnarly and fucked up as being custodian, but like still having this like work environment where it's like you're in a mundane, like, I don't know, like repetitive, unstimulating environment and using this time, using this experience to like uh, tap into, you know, your creativity and tap into your creation or, you know, even if it's just listening to music, like that's, I think that's a great thing. That's a great use for this kind of time because I mean, that time can be really soul crushing, I think, but that time can also be like a really good opportunity to like almost meditate or like, you know, um, it's a good time to learn. It's like, you can have like free time in your mind. If you like use your work time in the right way, you know, depending on the kind of job you get. It's, it's a good time to learn, too. I, I listen to tons. I would say more than I listen to music at work, I listen to documentaries. Hmm. Um, because why not? I mean, yeah. I, I, love a, I love history. I love, you know, hearing uh, or listening to, you know, even just listening to a movie with director commentary, if I can find mm-hmm. one. You know, stuff like that. I mean, yeah. I just, I, I enjoy information of all sorts. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I've I've spent so much time of my life being so dedicated to music. Yeah. And I finally, you know, it was a struggle for me for a long time to like break away from that intense, you know, passion or whatever for music where it was like I didn't want to do anything else ever. It's like I neglected yeah. friends and I neglected family occasions and because it was like, no, I'm no, I'm I have this to do. Sure. And just that, you know, and, and I'm sure a lot of it, you know, missing performance, you know, missing the volume of a performance, missing the, you know, relationship with people at performances, you know, getting, getting positive feedback from people, you know, it's, you know, I don't, I mean, everyone has a, has craving for, getting you know kudos from people for stuff that they put a lot of work into of course and and you know that's uh, i mean uh, you know i'll be totally honest it may not sound you know diy or cool or underground ethic you know i i made stuff because i wanted people to hear it yeah i'm not going to be like i'm not going to totally i mean sure i made stuff for myself to listen to sure i mean that's why i did it you know it's like that's why custodian sounded the way it sounded is because i heard certain things and i said well this is great but what if it did this yeah well, i'll do that yeah, yeah yeah you know like you know when i first heard killer bug i was like these tones are killer but if yeah. this had like some more muscle and yeah. velocity in terms yeah. of rhythmic yeah content looping crushing you know so uh, but you know you 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 put up something on on Bandcamp or you know facebook when i was doing social media and you post something and 70 people like your post and it's a link to something that i put on soundcloud and then it's like i see the analytics and six of you listen to it yeah and four of you only listen to the first 30 seconds it's like why do why do 70 people like this right. no one even listened to it yeah so yeah you you get to a point where it's like well i'm doing this for myself obviously but you want people to hear it yeah and when i felt you know that you're just getting lost in the 
cesspool of everyone has 17 projects. Yeah. You're like, why am I doing this? I could be spending my time doing something that I haven't done before, Yeah, you know, yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, I got, you know, my dog and, you know, my wife and my house. And it's like, dude, I, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll piddle around with some music, some electronics, some whatever, yeah. you know, lately I've, I've been having fun making like, all sorts of different stuff, yeah. but I'm not going to, I'm not going to record it and put it out because. Sure. I mean, maybe someone wants to hear it, but yeah, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to put all the time into that aspect and I don't want to, I hate social media. I just, it's yeah, so toxic. Yeah. And it's like, if I'm going to be recording music, I'm going to have to post it somewhere and I don't want to be on social media. So yeah. that kind of, kind of takes that <laughs> option off the table for me. Well, I mean, okay, this is jumping already like to some questions I had at the end about like why you ended the project, but um you know, I think that's I I I understand what you're saying totally, but I also think like having well, that's a big problem I think in general right now with music is that, you know, a lot of consumption but you start to wonder about how deeply people are really listening you know, and if they're listening yeah. at all, sometimes it seems like, but I think that's really also amplified even more so with like, with like the, 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 on, like the, the online um, music, like the, like the links, like I, th I do still believe that like physical copies and physical media is like when people, when people get a tape in their house, you know, it might sit on the, it might sit on the listen to pile for, for months, months but yeah. it'll it'll get it'll get listened to eventually and you know much 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 more than you know something that is like posted on social media as a link just listen to because that's that's so oversaturated and it's just it's a different i yeah. believe it's a different experience I, I still do believe that like i i listen to stuff online now and then and right right now my receiver's broken so like i'm only listening to stuff online but it's totally different for me and it's like you said like it's really easy to put on something for two minutes and be like, this is cool. And then be like, uh, what's the next thing? Like, and like, just like click to the next one. You know? Yeah. And you know, I, I just, I just pointed out my own hypocrisy in a way too, because I was just talking five, 10 minutes ago about Bandcamp, and it's like, yeah. everyone's guilty of it. So I'm not pointing fingers or right. whatever, but I, you know, I, and you know, one thing that struck me, um, you know, a week or two ago, I was listening to the podcast when you had um, Brad and Luke mm -hmm. and Stefan on, mm -hmm. you know, I totally, totally get what Brad was saying about like, Oh, I don't put stuff out because I'm so critical of it. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, you know, he works so hard at it from, I mean, I don't, I don't know him, but you know, yeah. I totally got yeah a vibe from it where I'm like, I totally understand this because I worked my fucking ass off. Yeah when I was doing stuff yeah. like I, I refined and refined and refined and refined. And even when I wasn't putting things out, I was like, you know, I'm obsessive like that. Yeah. You know, and that's how I was with my drumming too. It's like, even when I wasn't really, you know, before I became known for, you know, the bands that I was in, mm -hmm. I mean, I was, I wasn't going to, social events mm -hmm. or whatever it was like it was like i'd set my alarm by like okay well it's uh 
it's Saturday. My folks are out of town. Mm-hmm. I can start playing at 10 o'clock legally so no one can complain. Yeah. And I'd like, okay, well, I'm getting up at this time because I have this and this and this and that to do. And at 10 a.m., I'm sitting down at my drum set and I'm playing until like 7 or 8 tonight. I don't even care. Yeah. It's like I'll stop for lunch or something. Yeah. But like I just, I obsess. And, you know, when I feel like things have become disposable, I don't, I can't justify the time that I would like to put into stuff. Mm-hmm. And I can't do it anymore because, you know, I have other responsibilities yeah. in my life. Yeah. And I'm kind of like, well, I'm going to do this or I'm not going to do right. this. Yeah. And just life dictates that I can't, I can't do, I can't really can't do something passively. And that's kind of goes back to the label yeah. and in the label as well, because it's like, I just, I can't just do it as well as I want to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a main, that's a respectable attitude though, for sure. And that's, that's, uh, the difference between, you know, oftentimes a quality product and a mediocre product. Sure. Um, what you said though about you know kind of making a I'm, I'm not sure exactly how you put it you said kind of you had a time where you kind of forced yourself away from like music and yeah what what happened there why did that why did that happen tell me about like why you made that call um and you quite missed it you know that was it was quite hard it wasn't like you grew out of it and we're like okay this is not you know interesting to me anymore it sounds like you like went actually against like you know, missing all this stuff and wanting to do it and like, and like cut it off. Um, well, I mean, like I said, I mean, it it goes down to the amount of time I'm able to put into something now. Mm -hmm. Um, but also just, I don't know. I don't know if I ended up feeling a lot of times I feel guilty um, especially when I, you know, it was in the like Brodican years, Vitopsy years. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like all I gave a fuck about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it would be like, you know, major events, you know, family stuff, like mm-hmm. my parents' 25th anniversary or something. Let's mm-hmm. just say, you know, it was like, no, I can't go. I'm, you know, I'm in Tennessee. I'm, you know, we're rehearsing today. Yeah. Like, that's a shit attitude. Mm. You know, I mean, sure, you know, it's great to be diehard and dedicated to stuff, but I, I think I ended up starting to feel, like, guilty for all the time I had put into my activities and not into anyone else's lives that were important to me, mm. in a way. Like, I mean, I, I'm sure someone's going to hear this in my family or whatever and be like, oh, that's kind of awful. You know, like, and it's not that I didn't give a shit, but I was so preoccupied, we'll say. Sure. Well, I don't think it's, you know, I don't so, think it's awful in the first place. I think the fact that you're reflecting on it, like, right now in this way is, like, definitely not awful. It shows that you're a very, like, considerate person because, I mean, that's what, that's what a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people are that way. And a lot of people never, like, really reflect on it and be like, you know, I want to change that. I think the fact that you change that, I mean, I'm not saying I'm happy that you're, like, doing less music and noise i mean but i can re- definitely respect like that i'm back i'm vacuuming not making music <laughs> but i can definitely respect that like um you know reflection and, and you know 
as a as a as a human, I think that's a you know a good thing ultimately. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like um, I, I you know I I spent so much time on stuff that I feel like oh I never did this or I never took the time mm-hmm. to appreciate that. Uh, you know, I'm saying this and that is a very yeah. just you know I can't sure, really no. think of an example off the top of my yeah. head, but you know I it's like I can't just yeah satisfy myself my whole life in 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 that way I need I need to appreciate other things because I only am here once yeah you know and that's why I'm that's why now I I don't really I mean I have a in my in my room I have a a shelf and I've over the last year and a half, I've kind of went bonkers collecting, you know, little drum machines and little knickknacky electronics and, you know, and for me just, you know, pulling out a random drum machine and just fucking around for a half hour, 45 minutes. It's just like, Oh, this is fun. Mm -hmm. And it took me so long to just be able to have fun. Mm-hmm. with music because you know let's be honest with with you know the death metal stuff and the reception that i got with my bands and the reception that i got with custodian i crave that reception feedback yeah and that that reception that enthusiasm from people about what i'm doing yeah and when i would do stuff and it wouldn't create enthusiasm i'd be like well what the fuck am i doing wrong hmm. um so it took me a long time of being away from you. I mean, I still get, I still get in my moods mm-hmm. where it's like, I'll record something. And obviously I know myself at this point where I just, I don't do anything with it. It's mm-hmm. just like, to me, there's a lot of merit now where before it was like, I was creating for the purpose of pushing it out. Yeah. And now I'm finally to the point where I'm just, I'm satisfied with just the creation process yeah. as, as it is by itself. Yeah. Was it's it, like, I, I go ahead. Was it different then? Because like, you know, I was going to ask was, was custodian in some way at all like therapeutic for you or was it kind of like the opposite, like of, you know, kind of like the work was torturous, but it was kind of about the end product and the, and the reception. No, it was, it was, I got a lot out of custodian. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I, I think, um, I did a, a podcast that was more, you know, uh, for like death metal and mm-hmm. drumming based uh, a couple years ago, mm-hmm. year and a half ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I even said on that podcast, I was like, you know, um, yeah, custodian is like, that's my project. You know, mm-hmm. I love the stuff that I did in, in metal, you know, but yeah, custodian to me, that's, that's like the, that was like, you know, my, the closest to my heart in terms of my creative output. Yeah. Um, I loved, I loved doing it and all this stuff that I'm talking about, about, you know, spending time doing other things because I was too hyper intense about, um, other shit, Mm -hmm. you know, music shit. Um, that, that really didn't become a thought until like post that whole, you know, okay. like ending the ending the projects, ending the labels, ending mm-hmm. the, you know, going to shows and shit all the time. Like that was kind of an afterthought of like, 
oh well this is this is what i've been missing yeah yeah and even even if it's even if it was just like i'm just gonna take a walk today yeah you know but but what i'm gonna i'm gonna go on a, i'm gonna go on a walk with my dog in the park yeah and then i go god why why don't i do this every day oh because i was too busy fucking doing yeah you know hitting a piece of sheet metal in my basement or something you know what i mean yeah. like uh, yeah but so it became it became more more prevalent that kind of thought became more prevalent the the more time i got away from it but it's still it was like i said i still have that those days where i'm like oh i just i hate what an uncreative lazy person i've become you know, like I said that to my wife the other day, I texted her. I was like, God, I'm so, cause I was, I came home and I had this, I, I was, you know, um, listening to, um, YouTube all day at work. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I just bought a couple new pieces of gear. So I was like looking up different combinations of, Oh, mm-hmm. this gear with that gear, you know, mm-hmm. this drum machine with that synth or whatever. Yeah. And I got all inspired. I was like, yeah. fuck, I'm going to yeah. go home and I'm going to have like midi cables like covering my house and i brought out this big table and i'm like pulling out all my gear and i'm like fuck yeah and then all of a sudden it just was like deflate yeah and i'm like i don't want to do this why am i fucking doing this yeah this is this is so like i don't i don't remember if it was something i couldn't i had the wrong cable or yeah i didn't have the right cable and it just like totally took the steam out of me yeah and then i got depressed that something that simple like totally just took the wind out of my sails because sure. i'd never used to give up like that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you were like you were super focused i mean that's clear i mean that was clear when i knew you at that time like you were just super focused on that shit and yeah obsessive um but you know you say this reflection came after kind of quitting these projects it still sounds like there was some like what what made you like kind of like just stop all these projects like kind of like pretty abruptly what made me I, you broke up a little Sorry. bit there i didn't hear the phone no, you, you're fine what made you stop all these projects you know at that time that you did you know despite your feelings of wanting to still like be involved um honestly i've thought about this a lot honestly i just i i think a big part of it was my decision to not be on social media mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hate to come back because it's such a like fucking topic of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's no, so, it sounds it's so trite and stupid, but it's just like, uh, I just fucking would go on Facebook or something and I would just be like, God, I hate people. Mm. And then when I got off of there, it was just like, okay, well now where do I promote my music? Mm. I, I can't. Cause no one goes to Blogspot anymore. Sure. And, and even if I post something on my blog spot, where am I going to tell anyone about it? Right. No one's looking at anything except two or three sources. All right. Yeah. Hmm. So that was kind of like the, the start of the descent into doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like, I, I don't know. I just, I mean, and, and, and that sounds, and, and, and also like we talked about earlier, you know, I had said that I'm like uh, all or none. Yeah. 
person and I get really intense for a while until I feel like I reach a point. Yeah. And I really, I, I felt like I remember when I recorded the, um, the, the split seven inch with Pustrator. Mm-hmm. I did my side mm-hmm. for that. And before that, I think it was the split with developer. Mm-hmm. When I recorded those two, I was like, I'm done. Mm. Like I got, I, I got done with the track for, um, the, the, the phage seven inch. Yeah. And I was just like, perfect. That's what I've been trying to do. Yeah. So the, so that kind of hand in hand with, you know, the, yeah, the, the desire to not be irritated every time I opened up my Facebook to promote something or send a message. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, at that point I was just like, it's, it's run its course. Yeah. Um, I mean, where else do I go? Sure. Because I don't like, you know, I wouldn't even call custodian caught up. I mean, a lot of people would consider, but I, I never caught up in post. No, I wouldn't, you know, and I think caught up, like, for example, I love endo. Mm hmm. I love killer bug, mm-hmm. but it gets at some point it gets too cut up sure. for me. And it's just like, it loses continuity Yeah. or a, cause I still try to have like, even as spastic as, as some custodian stuff could get, I still tried to keep like a, a general mood or aesthetic yeah. Yeah. to it. So it's like, well, I could go more spazzy, right. but I don't want to. Yeah. And I could, go back i mean because the first few custodians were a little more like atmospheric and spacious in terms of like i actually used like reverb yeah there was like mood to it yeah whereas the other stuff the the mid to late was just like fucking yeah you know and i didn't i didn't really want to change the sound yeah so i was just like well i change what i'm doing or i don't do it right yeah yeah i can understand and i think that's i mean i think it's understandable that you just kind of felt like you had realized the the sonic goals you had with the custodian and then that was like you know over because you actually didn't just stop custodian and like stop music altogether you were actually doing a few other projects afterwards um yeah i mean you were doing of you you started doing more like drumming with the finger pads and you yeah what was the how do you pronounce the the bass like kind of like um, God fleshy project you had? Oh, Kathoga. Yeah, I was doing Kathoga, and I did uh, I did Yerf. Yes. With Jim. Yes. And then I also um, I did a few shows again with with Brodekman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And they they accepted the the finger Pretty drum good. thing, in which I was like, I you know I'm still kind of impressed with those dudes. Like those guys, they're smart dudes. Yeah. You know, but most metal guys are not not saying that they're metal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I got, you know, it, it's funny because I got so much heat from people doing that shit with Brodequin. Yeah. And, I, I saw and those, the video. And those dudes, yeah, those, the brought you know, Mike and Jamie, they were just like, yeah, it sounds killer. Let's do it. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like you, you feel okay with this? Yeah. Well, yeah it's, it's totally cool. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people I found 
um, for the, you know, summer, you know, half a year that we did that, Mm -hmm. um, I'd run into people in bands and they'd be like, Holy, that's so cool. But all the people that weren't in bands (laughs) just, they thought it was the gayest you know that's so fucking gay yeah yeah yeah. where's yeah, your yeah. drummer no drummer no mosh pit and yeah. i'm like god this is exactly why i fucking quit death metal to begin with yeah yeah just just dumb yeah i remember <laughs> a couple years ago going in and finding those youtube videos if you playing those sets and you're fucking raging and it's like the comments are totally divisive the top the comments are or the comments are totally split see there are people who are like fuck yeah like Engman's fucking killing it that's so cool he's doing that other people are just like what the fuck like and I can imagine that was pretty like that was probably pretty discouraging, probably pretty much like frustrating. Well, it, yeah, I mean, in a in a way, you know, I came up with a whole new way to play drums. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all their dudes are doing that shit, but they're doing it in different styles. Yeah, you know, and it's it's not uncommon for you know a hip hop guy yeah. punching a drum beat on an MPC and actually play the thing and then just loop it. Over. Right. Yeah, sure, but live performance full tracks with no i'm not triggering any patterns i'm playing it as if yeah i was a drummer yeah just on this thing super fast technical blast beats and it's i worked really hard at it and i was really obsessed with it as you can assume i remember seeing you and i put so much time into it and i was so proud of it because i was like i thought i was like this is fucking cool yeah you know, because it was like exactly it's what I love. Yeah. It's drumming. It's extreme music yeah. of some sort. And it's electronics. Yeah. I mean, I was like, I remember like when I started being able to pull stuff off, I was like, this is this is like the instrument that I was supposed to play. <laughs> like I was born to play death metal on a stupid rubber pad. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I just... I took that really hard. I have to admit that was like yeah. the first time, like I, for many years, I mean, there was a fetopsy review in metal maniacs and I was like, Holy shit. Like you can go to pick and save or whatever grocery store and buy an issue of metal maniacs. Yeah. And then we got reviewed in it and we just got fucking shredded. And it Brought was the, the funniest. No, the fetopsy record. Oh, okay. And I thought it was the funniest thing. Like I loved it. I was like, dude, this is so great. Biggest magazine we could ever possibly be in. And we just got fucking like eviscerated by the reviewer. <laughs> I was like, this is rules. Like, like this is, this is Fetopsy aesthetic right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, this is perfect because if I read this review, like sure he's ripping on it, but the things he's saying about it, I would go buy this record based yeah. on, Oh, yeah, it's yeah. horrible. All it is is blast beat and toilet vocals. And yeah, yeah. Oh, there's lyrics about tampons and fucking yeah elderly women or something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I love this. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, so I loved that. It was, you know, anyway. Um, but yeah, the finger drumming thing, I, I, my usual thick skin was like, Ugh. yeah. Cause I worked really hard and I was really stoked and it sounded really good. Yeah. You know, I was like, this is wow. Like, you know, Broderquin live, like, when I was drumming, it's like, we never sounded this tight and clean. Yeah. And it's just like, there's separation and there's sound and you can hear the riffs. And it was like, mm. it was that whole thing with like God flesh. It's like heavy as shit, but it's, there's clarity to it. Yeah. Yeah. Coming soon on white centipede noise, Jason Krumer, Ruth CD. 
Okay, so we can't really talk about Custodian without talking about uh, the Milwaukee noise scene and the Borg Ward. Yeah, oh yeah. So the Borg Ward was a venue in Milwaukee um, that was like an all-ages DIY venue, and it was like the 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 headquarters of a lot of really like intense noise activity in the whole Midwest. Like we were coming to Milwaukee noise fest and sh- just shows in Milwaukee pretty regularly for Minneapolis. Um, you know, climax and I was playing there regularly. You were anal hearse, you know, bloody minded would come quite often. Um, you know, people from Chicago, people from the surrounding area were really coming there. And that was, it was ran by, I don't know exactly who ran it, but I know that it was kind of a collective and Peter J Woods and Jay Linsky were two people that were really, really, um, you know, super instrumental in, in making things happen there. Yeah. What's the Borg word for you? What was that experience like and how did you, how did you come across it? And, and, you know, tell, tell a little bit about the role it played in, in the scene and in your activities, like, like, um, maybe fueling your activities. Well, um, you know, it was, you know, I was doing, you know, noise recordings. Um, it's, you know, a few years before custodian Mm -hmm. official custodian. Um, you know, Alex was active with climax denial. I, it was, I don't know if he was under the Climax Denial name yet. And then you had Peter, and it was kind of splintered. Like, no one really knew of each other until kind of like Peter started doing Noise Fest. Mm-hmm. And he did Noise Fest, I think, either one or two years before it became like a Borg Ward thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, with with Peter and then, you know, obviously Jay jumping in as well, and then Jay taking over for a while when, when Peter was... I don't know what Peter was doing when moved out of state mm-hmm. for a little mm-hmm. bit or something. And then Jay took it over. I mean, that was just like, that was the place. Yeah. And it was, you know, you hear about it in every scene, you know, Oh, there's all these people doing the same thing. And it was, you know, there's a bit of friendly competition. There was critique, mm-hmm. there was positive, you know what I mean? And just the activity, you always had a show to play. And it was always, you know, I mean, like you said, you guys were coming down a bunch from Minneapolis. People were coming up from Chicago. I mean, we even had, you know, like Astro played yeah. at the Borg Ward. Yeah. It's like, holy yeah. shit. Like, you know what I mean? So it was like, there was always something happening. And especially at that time, that that time was crazy for the whole scene. That's when the, the I Heart Noise Forum was like in full yeah. swing. And it was like, that was like, I mean, there was a, just an abundance of activity, like on all fronts. Yeah. And yeah. And the Borg Ward was just like, I mean, I was at the Borg Ward. I don't even know how many days a yeah. month for yeah. shows. I mean, it was crazy. It was like something was always happening yep. there. And yeah, it just, it, you know, when you have a, a, an enthusiastic group of people and there's constant activity, obviously it's going to fuel you to, you know, work harder and do more and produce better results. And yeah, I mean, it was just so, it was so positive 
(laughs) really. And it was just fun. I mean, some of the most ridiculous fun moments I've ever had in my life were at, you know, in the garage. Yeah, absolutely. Behind the, behind the, behind the Borg at, yeah. you know, noise shows. Yeah. I mean, just the, the types of conversations yeah. and the things that some of the things that happened there. Yeah. It's just like, I, I remember it very fondly. Yeah, definitely. It was I very, too. very, very fun. But, you know, overall it was just the, um, yeah, just the activity and just the, I mean, Peter worked his, Peter worked his ass off yes. to get that place. Like, yeah. He did such an amazing job with that. Absolutely, you know, and it was so fun. It was, yeah, and you know, it was important. We met so many people. I mean, that's where we met you guys, really. Definitely, that's yeah, that's where I met you. I remember meeting you actually for the first time, um, maybe the first Milwaukee Noise Fest I came to, just kind of on a whim. I just came there with a friend, like we drove there, and uh, you were outside with like a Tupperware of like tapes and CDs and like gear too, and selling it. Yeah. For like super cheap. You had all this stuff and like you wanted like max like three dollars for like each tape and stuff like that. And <laughs> and I bought stuff from you and then everyone's like, That's custodian. Like I think that, that was like when you just like were that was like maybe one of the first custodian sets ever. And it, there was definitely like some hype in the air that you were about to play and like um it's like that's custodian. And then you fucking played and fucking I, killed it. I think that was um if I remember correctly that was um, right around the time that my tape on sex crime arts came out. I think that was the first yeah. day I had a copy of yeah, that. Yeah, that could be. So that would, yeah. So that's, yeah, that's that's even before I was, you know, using the refined setup yeah. and everything. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so, but I mean, literally from that time until who knows when, I this is where my memory gets fuzzy. But I mean, it was years and years of just fucking crazy amounts of shows and yeah. activities and regular shows, regularly like really well attended shows. Um, the Milwaukee Noise Fest were always really great. And yeah, it's crazy how many people actually came to noise shows in Milwaukee for a while there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, there's no reason that someone you know that a weird little city like milwaukee should have like 60 people at a noise show on a tuesday night yeah like that's bizarre <laughs> anywhere that's bizarre and i remember knowing like like going there often enough where i knew like the whole like crew you know there was a whole crew of like regulars you know that were always there at every show and they weren't necessarily musicians there were a lot of just like fans people would come to every night yeah and, you know just shoot the shit and always great shows super loud pa it was it was it was amazing um do you think of a borg ward like popped up near where you're living right now do you think you'd get involved mm, i don't know you know like say it's hard like, to say say like you know peter or, or someone was like starting to like put on heavy shows like 10 minute drive and like people were coming out and like there was that activity and I think in this point in your life that could still be like something you would. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I can't really, I, I can't really answer that in a, in a way because there are still, I mean, Peter still does shows here. Right. Um, but they're, you know, I moved, I mean, I'm not far from Milwaukee yeah. by any stretch. Yeah. yeah. 
but you know, I just, it's one of those things where it's like, do I really want to go to a show at eight o'clock yeah. on a Tuesday night in Milwaukee? Cause it's like a 40 minute drive. Yeah. And that doesn't sound like much. It's like a 40 minute drive yeah. and then I'll see the show and yeah, yeah. then I'll go home and I know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not discrediting it right. by any stretch. Like, I think it's great that people are still doing stuff. I just, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes I just feel like I'm lazy or sure. uninterested or j- jaded or whatever. But I mean, there was there was something about the Borg Ward yeah. and the attitude. Yeah at the time that's like it's so i mean maybe it's maybe it's it's not different and i'm just different yeah i mean um those those diy kind of venues are are really key i mean i think those like regular places where you can do stuff like that and you have this freedom to do whatever you want i think they're really key for this kind of activity and and they're becoming less and less few and far between and you know there's always okay there's always a possibility to have a a show at a bar or whatever or a club but it's always different when you don't have this like regular place it's it definitely doesn't bring the same like unity and 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 you know um well from i can't remember the name of the place where peter is mostly doing shows from what i can remember it's like one of those like workshop like kind of collective places where Mm -hmm. you go and you know um what do they call those uh there's a, I can't remember the name of the place, but there's a couple of them, but they're like, you know, like, Oh, we're giving a, a class on soldering and everyone's yeah, yeah, going yeah. to, you know what I mean? It's one of those like shared workspace yeah. type of places yeah. where you can go and, you know, mm-hmm. do that sort of thing. Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely doesn't have like the, I mean, as you know, that's much different than the chaos of the board ward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that could be something. And I know that there's a couple places in river West, um, that have shows, but uh, that's like, I don't want to go to river West on at 10 o'clock on a Thursday night. I get up at four, four thirty to go to yeah, work. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like I'm not, yeah, yeah. I'm um, not doing that. Yeah. You know, it's understandable. Do you ever go out? I mean, are you ever in touch with uh, like those dudes? Do you ever run into Alex or or Peter? No, I haven't. I haven't. Um, and it's not that I don't want to see them. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think the last time I saw anyone was I went to um, that spot that I was just talking about that Peter books at mm-hmm. and um, pedestrian deposit played. Cool. And I went to that and that was cool. Yeah. Uh, but that was, you know, that was also like two years ago. Yeah. We'll say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I haven't, I haven't been out to anything since, you know, I, I'm just yeah. not, I'm not aware. Sure. Yeah. Um, unless I get a text from someone, which yeah. most people don't even bother because they know I'm not going to go. Sure. <laughs> that just sound like, a, you know, a no, but everyone, but yeah, everyone I, I talk to, like, when I mention you, like in any context, like, like that, I, especially that I was like, you know, in touch with you again and like, uh, interviewing you and, and so forth. Everyone's like, fuck, I haven't talked to John in ages. Like give him my best, you know, like Sam stocks and Pat Yankee, uh, Alex Kement, you know, all those guys, like they're all like, I mean, no one is like 
everyone's got their own stuff going on. People will, you know, drift apart. And so no one's like, what's up? Like, that's weird. But everyone's like, you know, always like has very positive, like fond uh, memories of those times. And like, like, seems like everyone would like to have contact again. Yeah. I mean, I would, it's one of those things where it's like, if I were to, you know, see any of those dudes, it would be, you know, I don't have any, I'm, I'm not out of the loop because I don't want to see it. I love all those dudes. Yeah. You know, I was watching the, like I said, I was watching the, the podcast, you know, videos and, Oh, Sam, holy shit. Where's that beard, yeah, yeah, man? Yeah. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it was great seeing his face and hearing him talk and, you know, same yeah. thing with the, you know, I haven't seen Luke in how long or stuff on yeah. and, you know, and yeah. I'm just like, holy shit. And, you know, yeah. it's actually, it's, it's funny, you know, I actually, the one person that I do talk to quite a bit still is uh, Jim. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to Jim you know, we text a few times a week. Usually it's about like okay. pictures of our dogs or something. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's really the only person that I, from that, the old guard will say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, I would love to see those, see those dudes and yeah, it'd be fun. It's just, uh, life changes and life, you know, progresses and it doesn't always, yeah but that's just how it is. But how does it feel knowing that people like still talk about those sets that they saw you play back then with like, you know, total reverence? It's awesome. I I'm flattered. And I think it's, I mean, how, how wouldn't that make you smile? You yeah. know what I mean? It's, it's super cool. I'm, I'm happy that people remember it and, you know, but I, I, I remember everyone else's sets too. Yeah. You know what I mean? So sure. it's just like, do you have interest in like, I know reissues have become a big thing in the past few years. Would you have an interest in having your stuff reissued certain, certain recordings? Yeah. That's actually something that I've been going back and forth on. Um, I actually do have a, a thumb drive with everything on it. And it's just, it's one of those things that it's like, it's been sitting, you know, on my shelf, like just the thumb drive, just sitting there. And I've been, I've been meaning to, to mail it to Jim yeah. for, about, I don't know, about a year now. since. Wow. <laughs> so he might be doing something with it? Yeah. You've, he's talked to you about it? Yeah, we've, we've talked about it and, you know, we've talked about, you know, grant mastering everything and, wow. but yeah, it's, it's everything and then some and all the artwork that I could find pictures that I could find. Killer. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's literally every thing I ever recorded live sets wow. that I have audio from. Great. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I've paused on it. Then, I, I right. really don't. I really don't have any good reason besides maybe I think, oh God, that's going to be expensive because it's going to be like a few CDs. No, <laughs> gonna... dude, that's not your business to worry about. First of all, you're not you're not the label. I know. Second but... of all, CDs these days are cheap as hell to make. So send it to Jim, please, like tomorrow morning. <laughs> Get it underway. Jim will take care of it. 
Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll ask him about it. I mean, I'm, cool. I'm sure, um, I'm sure that could happen. You know, I just feel, you know, financially, it's like, dude, are you sure you want to do that? It's like, fucking, no, gonna be on, like man. four or five. It's gonna be like four or five CDs worth of shit. That's not true. That's not your worry. Coming soon on White Centipede Noise, K.M. Tupfer, Retrace No Steps CD. Um, so, you know, probably cause you've been watching the podcast that I like to ask people this question, but can you tell me your f- top five noise releases of all time? Like the top five for you or also, you know, like maybe like also really influential ones on, on, on your sound. It might be one of the same, but, um, well, we talked about blood force trauma, blood out, mm-hmm. love that CD. Um, in terms of like influential, maybe, maybe not my favorite. Give me your favorite, you know, give me your favorites. Um, well, can I just throw out like five to 10? Yes. That could be influential and or favorite. Yes, Yes, please do. Okay. So the blunt force trauma, but I could also just say Jonathan Kennedy. Sure. You know, because I love the urge within, I love dead world. I love death pile. Mm -hmm. Angel of Decay. I just yeah. something about his shit. I like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, influential. Maybe not my favorite release now, but like Sickness Report, Atrax Morgue. Sure. Um, you know, really, you know, like that Mersbau, Pulse Demon, and Masana yeah. Intermind Mystique. Those were kind of like the the trio on release or the Japanese American Noise Treaty, yeah. you know that whole kind of we'll just say release. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was huge. One guy, one guy that I think is just fucking phenomenal. That I don't really hear anyone giving any sort of attention to is Gelsamina. Mm. Gelsamina oh. is so fucking good, yeah. people. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that first CD on Freak Animal, the I forget the title of something. Uh, it's been a long time since I've Is pulled out the actual behemoth? disc. What's that? Is it Junkyard Behemoth? No, it was like something about the disease. I um, it was I, the first, the very first Gelsamina on Freak Animal. I'd have to look at. I have become the disease that made me, or so I can't remember the title. It's some weird long title. That's a sickness uh, CD, I think. Title. I what is the name of that Gelsamina? Um, we can look it up real quick. I can look it up. Yeah, please look it up because I'm clearly. It's something about disease. Um, if I remember correctly, it's got the the uh like surgical cover like some weird disease with a purpose disease with a purpose i always get those titles confused no they're similar yeah that cd 
here I am talking about how great the CD is. I can't fucking remember the name. That sucks. No, that's cool. Um, but yeah, Gelsomina yeah. in general, amazing. It is true. That's an under, underrated project. I haven't really given it the attention that I should. I should check back in. I mean, I I was familiar with it. I was I was familiar with it, and I got pretty into Six Seed when he came out with that. But that's like a totally different Six Seed. Yeah, totally yeah. different like approach. Like that's super like lo-fi and, and, and primitive and just just Samina was like very um hi-fi very like sharp harsh as harsh as fuck. Fuck, yeah yeah <laughs> i mean yeah. total about talk about onslaught i mean yeah. that wow i mean yeah. that's 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 up there with like yeah. the roughest of rough cool um obviously the you know killer bug the beyond the valley of the tapes you know that was one yeah. of the first tapes i bought when i first got into you know the resound catalogs in like yeah. 95 96 i got vaginal disco like the original cassette yeah. i wish i still had that wow but you know i got that in like extreme gospel nights from incapacitants and yeah. a couple other things a couple seven inches like that i can't recall but those two were like part of the first stack of like really underground noise. Like I had another tape that I got at that same order was the, the original American noise on mother savage. Cool. I had that. I had those, you know, that cassette. Yeah. Sick. I think about all the cool stuff I used to have and I go, God damn. <laughs> um, but you know, anyway, off topic. Have you sold a lot of your collection? Um, have, you, have you gotten rid of a lot of it? Um, yeah. Well, you know, me and being, minimal and efficient yeah. um that's right i remember I, from, I all of your cds out of the cases and you had them like in a is that true did i, am I, am I remember yeah i have all my cds in um you know those binders yeah and then i right. have a box i have a box like a hundred count cd box and i have all the inserts yeah. and J, you know like filed alphabetically yeah i remember that yeah because i just i moved so many times that's I'm right. like, God, my CD collection is so stupid huge. Yeah. So I just, I got sick of moving, you know, 60 boxes of CDs. Now I just have to move like a dozen, you know, oh. notebook type of things. Um, okay, so sorry. I, I... No, no, no. Um, what else? Oh, um, there's a lot of stuff that I really like. Um, sorry, say it again. Condom. Dando. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, like the eighth pillar. I love, yes. I love the, um, the gray wolves condom. The many are called, but few get up LP. Yep. yep. Um, another project that I think was great was uh crack steel. Mm-hmm. He yep. did that bitch, bitch Jap run yeah. disc. Yeah. And that's, that's really fucking good. Um, and you know, I have to tie in, you know, like, like I mentioned the, uh, Japanese American noise treaty or like the aesthetics of cruelty, mm-hmm. um, compilation, even some of the cold meat industry stuff, yeah. not being harsh noise, but sure. I mean, a lot of that looping nature of like MZ 412 or something, mm-hmm. the, some of that stuff is very looped yeah. and that influenced custodian quite a bit. Yeah. Um, you know, like some of the martial industrial stuff, you know, with like the, you know, kind of militant drum looping type of stuff. I don't know. I, I, I really, it's really hard to say five, but 
Okay. We'll go with, just for the sake of fun, we'll go with the blunt force trauma. Yep. The killer bug beyond the valley of the tapes. Mm-hmm. The first Joe Samino with the sickness title. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, I don't know if that's the first Joe Samino. That's the first one I was aware sure, of. Sure, sure. Um, Brighter Death Now, Inner War. Cool. Yeah. Damn, throwing that last one in is so hard. (laughs) It's got, yeah, yeah, it's got to be. Well, and then, and now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, shit, Death Squad. Yeah. Like Theological Genocide or. Oh, there was one grunt tape that I really loved too that I can't remember the, the title of. I don't know. I just, I, it, it's one of those things like I've seen it in other podcasts that <laughs> people are like, oh, five. Yeah. And then they totally blank out. Yeah. Or they give you like seven. Or give me one more. <laughs> I, mean, I, think, like, I think it's good. To, I think that's the point of the five is like you, you, you limit it because you got to have that last fifth one be something like that counts, you know? Mm. Wow. Um, Masana ejaculation generator. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. All right. Good. That's five. Yeah. Um, five. That's five today. That's five today. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Sure. That's like, I'm sure. There's going to think things will come to you in your, in, in your sleep tonight. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll, we'll hang up off this call and be like, fuck. Forgot this one. People have asked me, "Oh shit, can I add something back in?" Like they forgot, they forgot to mention something important, but it's whatever. Um, or that, or the, the what's the incapacitants where they're in the coffee shop on the on the cover? I'm so bad with titles lately. Uh, is that as loud as possible? Could be. Like that, in, insert any incapacitants yeah. record. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, you know how it goes for sure. And um, so since you said you check out a lot of stuff on Bandcamp. I think that's an interesting question I'll ask you is tell me like some of the five, the top five things you've checked out on Bandcamp in the past year that you're, that oh, you're geez. into or online. It doesn't have to be the past year, but you know, so it can be three. If, if it's really, if it's, if it hasn't been really much, it can be three. Okay. So it's not going to be all noise. Is that okay? That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Top five things you found on Bandcamp. It doesn't have to be noise. Yeah, I'll just just a couple things of, of interest. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I I like the uh, dungeon synth stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of it. Some of it's too like I don't like the neoclassical kind of like real orchestral okay. or real like minstrel sounding type of shit. I, uh-huh. There's some there's some stuff that's nastier that's like clearly recorded on really bad tapes and mm-hmm. um but one really interesting um uh, project that i find interesting just because the musical ideas the composition and the mm-hmm. the tones that are used are so weird mm-hmm. is a guy called vormithadreth mm-hmm. okay. and he's actually i can't remember the black metal band but he's in like a really prolific one-man black metal band 
that has like a ton of releases that like okay. people really like. I can't remember the name of it. Okay. Cool. But yeah, Formithadreth is just it's very awkward. It's like you hear it and you go, What the hell? But yeah. then it becomes addictive. Cool. Um one thing that I've heard just as of the last few weeks is I think it's called I'd have to look at the name, but it's the that uh Japanese doomed band that's all female, the Gallhammer. Have you do we, are you mm-hmm. familiar? Mm-hmm. Well the drummer from Gallhammer has a project that I think it's called Risapara. Okay. And it's really weird industrial noise power electronics it doesn't really fit into any category but it has like elements of each of those cool um oh in terms of you know this is not this is new to me because i'm like so out of the scene but i loved um you know obviously i you know i'm friends with jim yeah you know deterge so i don't want to like come off as biased or partial but i was stunned by that one for the gipper tape that he did that's just so good i haven't actually heard that oh my dude yes you need you need um yeah and then just you know like i said uh, a lot of the stuff that i listen to on Bandcamp. i i mean i have a wish list on Bandcamp. that's i don't even know how many records long yeah uh, but a lot of the stuff is just not i'm not gonna order it yeah because a lot of it i'm so late on sure but i have it in my wish list so i can remember to go back and listen yeah, to it and try to it, right? watch watch for a re-release of the cassette mm-hmm, or something mm-hmm. um so i just it it gets kind of lost in the the memory of sure you know because i listen to a, you know i check every day on there when i'm at work you know i I go to my you know my my feed you know or like this was suggested today in bestial black metal or whatever and then you just go through and it's like whatever i'm into you know i have everything in there from you know like zx spectrum beeper one bit music to techno to bestial black metal to yeah whatever cool chip tune this yeah you know i I just i'm not like such a fucking strict butthole anymore about like i only listen to power electronics like how i used to be yeah yeah, yeah. like i'm only listening to i like i listen to everything sure like ridiculous stupid genres that (laughs) people make up i think (laughs) um but yeah, and then there's like another band that I really like that I just heard recently is a Japanese like hardcore punk band called Milk. Okay. And it's like it's like Dead Milkmen on crack. Okay. It's like super fast D beat, but there's absolutely no distortion on the guitar. It's like the jangliest, like most spastic sounding thing. Like I, I just I'm all over the map. Cool with stuff but yeah Good. milk is awesome milk is cool okay milk. yeah yeah great man that's awesome that's that's a nice uh, a nice assortment out of the out of the normal category sorry for not having any 
That's fine. That's great. That's perfect. No, but I think if anything was, uh, you know, relatable to the, the, you know, content of the podcast, the, the drummer from Gallhammer, I think it's Rissa Para. I can, okay. I'll send you a link. Yes. I mean, like, we'll, we'll, um, you know, it's, it's really good. Yeah. And, and yeah, if you haven't checked out that deterge one for the Gipper. Yes. Yes. That, that needs to be heard. Okay. <laughs> Coming soon on White Centipede Noise, The New Boyfriends, the fourth season CD. John, well, um, I guess that's about it for my questions for now. Um, is there anything you'd like to tell the people before you sign off? No, I would just, I mean, I guess just I'm kind of surprised and happy that people still like custodian shit and people still talk about it. And um, in terms of, you know, me kind of being unavailable to talk to um for all the people that i used to hang out with in the scene and shit it's like try to email me yeah you're gonna like, email. i would love to i'd love to i'd love to hear from you know you know we talked about pat yeah. and you know luke and sam and all those dudes from the yeah from that time you know grant yeah. uh, i'm not away because i dislike everyone i'm just away because just how, how how life has yeah. went um but yeah email me i'd love to hear from people great you'll get a lot of you'll get a lot of contact from people i know that yeah good good i hope to hear i hope to hear for some some people cool. all right man thank you so much well thank you i, I it, was, it was super fun i hope i stayed on topic and didn't ramble no, too much great. talk to you later man yeah. All right, man. Take care. Bye. Thank you for tuning into White Centipede Noise Podcast. Please hit the like button and subscribe to this channel. This podcast is made possible by viewer and listener support. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting it at patreon.com slash white centipede noise.